So welcome to the Project Plenty podcast series, where we ask the question, what will 2030 look like? And we'll ask that question across a range of topics important to Queensland and to our church. It's a series of conversations that will help us enter into a whole of church discernment and planning exercise that we hope might give shape to our life in the next decade. Over the course of this series, we'll invite our guests to reflect on this question, what 2030 looks like from their perspective and ask what role the Uniting Church could play as this future approaches. My name's Scott Guyatt, and I'm glad that you can join us. So joining me today, Reverend Farmer Tangy, Youth and Children's Coordinator for Morton Rivers Presbytery. Welcome, Fire. Great to have you with us. Yeah, awesome. Where's, Thanks, where is Morton Rivers Presbytery? Help me out. Well, it's in Ashgrove, but we have uh, we're over 40 different churches in the inner city Brisbane, and we go all the way out to Bribey Island. Okay, so Brisbane City, north side. Yeah. You work with them, and also our pastor with New Life Brisbane, uh, Mike Hands. Mike, great to have you with us as well. Yeah, stoked to be here. Distinguished Mate. company. Yeah. So, give me the thirty-second version of New Life Brisbane. What's the story there? Hey, we're three months old. We're, this has been a dream. It's been happening as part of Morton Rivers Presbytery for about three years now. Um, you know, we're we're sh- young into the adventure, and uh, my wife and I moved to Brisbane in January, and it's been exciting. We love meeting the people we're meeting, and we're looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. Fantastic. Great to have you guys with us today. Yeah, good to be here. Young people today, entitled, uh, coffee and smashed avo, lazy, um, get off your phone, the iPhone generation. Uh, This this isn't the kind of language that gets used around young people. You guys, Far and Mike, you've been hanging out with young people for quite a long time. How Mm. much of that is true? Let me start with that. How, much, how many of those kind of labels that we throw around young people today are kind of true? Well, I don't think my the young adults that I hang out with actually can afford smashed out of toast. <laughs> like, they can't. No. So some of it's true, some of it's not. Yeah, they're a little bit entitled. But they're all around great kids. Yeah. And I call them still kids because they're still babies. They don't like me calling them that. No, fair call. But they're, these young adults I, um, that I've had the privilege to work with have been amazing. Um, do, do we damage young people with those kind of labels and that kind of language? You know, we've got prime ministers getting up and kind of bagging kids out and telling them to go get a job or stop buying so many apps, smashed over breakfasts and like is that is that helpful? Um, it's, it's politics, I guess. Mm. I, I, yeah, I think it's kind of both. I I feel like we've got this generation that can get that gets offended over everything. <laughs> And then we've also got this problem of the older generation that accuses us of everything. When I say us, because I still see myself like fairly young. Um, But I think it's a bit of a rite of passage. No, I don't think it's fair. But I don't know a generation that wasn't misconstrued or painted in a bad light by the older generation. Mm. It it kind of happens. It kind of goes with the territory. Yeah, it goes with the territory. And and I think, I mean, I'd say it's both ways. They're not as bad as you think they are. And I'd say the younger generation, you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah, for <laughs> you real. Know? And and I think you have to take both with a grain yeah, yeah. of salt. And there's, um, yeah, you probably should buy a couple less smashed avos if you are. Yeah. And then the older generation should probably start to realise they probably will own a house and stop being fatalistic yeah. about that. Like, mm. you know, it's it's not either or. We, we paint these great paintbrush statements yeah. that I think they're the ones that are unhelpful. But yeah. having said that, it's also been human nature to do that ever since I was a kid. So it's like yeah. that's just what happens. Just how it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of conscious that even, you know, even in saying young people, like that's one label that applies to a really complex, you know, and a whole group of kind of cultures and subcultures. And 
every young person is not going to be the same. Every group of young people are not going to be the same. Mm. Um, from where you sit, you know, and, and what you see, what what is it like being, you know, a fifteen or twenty or twenty-five year old today? What what are the what's going on in in some of the worlds that some of our young people live in? What are the challenges they're dealing with? What are the what are the big questions or big issues? You can take this one, Mark, and I'll just jump <laughs> in. <laughs> oh, I, I, I worry because I'm so opinionated about That's this okay. stuff. That's good. I mean, good. I think I think we are. I think every generation, every generation, not just this young one, but but if I could say it, this one, um, we are seeing the result of a lack of intentional parenting. Okay. And I think we could um, we can blame it on anything and everything. But I don't think that – if I talk about a faith context, I don't think that Christian parents uh, know how to raise young people. I don't think we equip um, adults to raise young people. It seems to be more accidental than intentional. And we let our culture raise them and then we wonder why they turn yeah. out the way well, that they do. So let's dig into that a little bit. What, are your, what, what might be behind that? Is, you know, is this a cross of confidence for parents? Is it kind of – you know, the parents, we don't understand the world, so how would we – Kind of, you know, how do we deal with it? Help our kids deal with it? Is there? I don't know. What's what do you think is going on there? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, far Because my experience would be, I see parents do one of two things: they either re-perpetuate the way they were parented, or they swing against it, <coughs> and and neither are helpful. And so you have kids that are either the justification against the way that their parents were parented, yeah. or an uh, you know a justified why they should have been parented that way, and I think there's a real lack of parents who, to be blatant, are self-aware enough to be able to acknowledge the weaknesses of their childhood mm -hmm. and the strengths of their childhood and the psychological damage and health of their childhood as well. And therefore, they don't actually wrestle with that Then they have children yeah. and they fail to see that. I'm, I'm a massive believer in like the generational stuff is actually quite significant when I'm when not confronted. Yeah. And um, and you just see it. like you. I, the reason why children are the way they are, they're, they're products of their parents. Yeah. But parents are products of their parents. Their parents. Yeah. And parents yeah, are yeah. products of their parents. Yeah. And and we, I think it, the, the toughest thing is how do you put a spanner in the wheel of, of that being passed down? I don't know what you're that, – that's, that's a big paintbrush I've done across every family. <laughs> yeah, come on, let's – you know, let, that's fine. But, we'll I mean, start with the big would, stuff. Would you say I'm wrong? <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't say that you're wrong. Uh, it, it gets even more difficult with – um, people of um, first-gen parents. Yeah. So I'm a second-gen um, young Tongan Aussie and being being raised up in Australia like with two different cultures yeah. um, and having the predominant Australian identity come out a lot more than your, than your Tongan identity. So yeah. having to wrestle with that and struggle with well, which identity do I parent my kids and like and the third generation as well yeah and um it get yeah no it doesn't it's, it's not about um and it is like well I you know I remember when I was a kid my uh, I wasn't allowed to sleep over my friend's house and I'm and I was I'm like Man, when I'm having kids, <laughs> my kids are going to do whatever no they want. Yeah, you know, they're yeah, going to sleep yeah, over yeah. wherever. That's one of those kind of yeah, examples. Yeah, that that's Mike, exactly that's what, the, what Mike was opposite, talking about. Yeah. And um, and so uh, it was it was a bit like that. But it, and it's just um, – then I watch my brother, who is a new parent, um, 
who I see as a lot more Australian than he is Tongan, yeah. um, see him wrestle with some of the the struggles that he went through yeah, as a well, kid. Yeah. Um, and when he watches his daughter and, and the, the world events that happened, um, that are happening around the world, um, he, he tells me he's like in fear for his daughter's life yeah. and how she's going to grow up yeah. um, because she's a mixed race child. Yeah. yeah, wow. You know, so how, and, and that that's another spanner into the works of her identity. Yeah. You know, she's half Tong and she's half Australian, but she's brought up in this Australian culture. You know, so um, it's it's been really interesting for, to watch my brother be a parent in this generation. And not not to, she's a female as well. She is, which is another yeah another complexity in our day and age and culture. And like that's shifting. Thank God. Yeah, um, it's probably helpful to acknowledge that I'm a wasp, but like I'm not. <laughs> I'm as white Anglo-Saxon as they come. You know, so um, but but I think to describe. What what I found most interesting is how similar uh, teenagers and young adults the issues that they're facing are mm. um, across cultures. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Whilst also there being strong nuances between cultures that I don't understand. That like you know I do a lot of work with Far these days, and and talking about what I don't understand is really helpful. But the digital generation, the digital the digital native generation, has given a universal language to yeah. teenagers and young mm. adults. Yeah that hasn't been accessible yeah. to my generation, even or our parents, um, where they're, they're able to understand cultural, cultural nuances and, and, and similarities and jokes and languages faster mm. and bridge things a lot faster. Yeah, okay. And so you've also got a generation that is being raised um, perpetually by, by subconscious consuming of images yes. and internet. Yeah. Um, uh, it, can, it, it does, it concerns me, the amount of unfettered and unsupervised times kids can sit in front of a screen. Yeah. The subconscious forming yeah. of what that does to a young person mm. without intentional analysis and questioning of an adult. Yeah. Um, just because it's an easy babysitting me mechanism. And then there's an, the, the reality is that that's some, sometimes it's the only parent option, that's the best that they can do. So there's those... We, we, we've got a generation that's coming through that's having to actually fight for its own identity in a world which is very confusing. And yeah. that's just as a white male, you know. Yeah. And then, like you, what you were saying, you got, you know, you got cultural ties that they're mm. having to think through there. Then you've got yeah, yeah. gender ties having to see, think through there. And then, you know, God forbid any sexual mm. sexuality confusion that they're having to think through there as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time to be a young person in our day and age because there are many options of how your identity is formed. Mm. I've I got to say that as I am, um, I was a much better parent before I had kids. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of had this all figured out. Yeah, yeah. Before my actual children yeah, kind of rocked up. And, and, and I really do wonder... There's little bits of evidence and little bits of research, but I really do wonder where we're going to find ourselves, you know, in five or ten years' time when we understand the way this digital, the digital generation is being formed, um, you know, and the influence um, media and social media and the all-pervasive nature of those things in our lives. Mm. And I say our as adults as well. I mean, we're just as kind of caught in this. But I didn't grow up. I didn't, you know, I wasn't. I was a child of the '70s, so I, you know, grew up roaming the hills in the back blocks of Townsville. Yeah, cutting your knees you know, on rusty screws. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't have the childhood that and the influences that my children have. 
Child safe and OHS weren't a thing yeah. when you were a kid. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were the fun days. That's, That's exactly right. right. I do recall going off to day camp and the Flying Fox was a, you know, a handlebar that you just hung onto and jumped off a tree. And yeah. Off you went and, you know, well, some kids didn't quite make it. They went off to ambulances, <laughs> in ambulances, but yep. it was okay. Um, so, Mike, we, we, you've you kind of said there that there's a, there's a few, you know, issues that maybe cross boundaries and we've named that kind of digital generation. Um, are there others that come to mind for you or far? You know, other issues for young people today that maybe do cross some of those cultural boundaries. I mean, if I'd be interested to hear you, because you as a, as a Tongan uh, woman who's been you know, leading in this area, but you, you, know, you lead quite powerfully people from other cultures really well. I've seen you do it. So what, what are the issues you see? Um, mental health yeah. Yeah. is huge. huge. And it's... So what does uh, it look like? Well, in my generation, it, never, it was a thing that you didn't really speak of yeah, and yeah. it only happened towards like your 20s what i see now is that i'm getting um kids who um, have anxiety and they're seven years old you know kids who are dealing with um sensory issues um and it's how to navigate it's like this whole different um spectrum of being able to um lead these young people and lead these kids and not let them feel like they're left out as well. So mental health is, is yeah, huge. 100%. It's massive and it's just like it's younger and younger. They yeah. um, have a lot of mental health issues. Um, depression and anxiety um, is, is such a big, big thing yeah. is what I'm seeing. Um, so I've, I've had one of my kids um, literally in tears, you know, in terms of anxiety and fear for the future of our planet. Now, I don't want to kind of get into the politics of climate change and that's – maybe that's another podcast we'll do some other time. Mm. You know, but for her, this this existential kind of question or threat, if you like, over what we're doing to our planet and the way our planet's going to change over the next 30, 50, 100 years mm. um, had her, like, absolutely in tears, can't go to sleep, you know, kind of, you know, coming out into the, into the lounge room late at night having been laying awake in her bed just just – consumed with anxiety over these kinds of questions. Mm. And it's, it's interesting to me because every generation's had those, you know, for some it was the Vietnam War or the Cold War or um, these kids have grown up in an age of terrorism as being an ever-present thing in our kind of environment. But that response, that anxiety that, that, that you're talking about that leads to those kind of mental health mm. challenges seems more prevalent now. Yeah, than, absolutely. Than I recall. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we're in the middle of what maybe is a mental health revolution. Like, it's a really good thing mm. in the sense that, um, like, people are coming out and it doesn't have the shaming that yeah. it used to have. Yeah. I mean, I myself, I've struggled and I've seen professional help for high anxiety disorder and that kind of thing. Um, and I, I think the first thing you need to say is that there is like – just because I'm aware of who could be listening to this podcast, like, you yeah. need to be talking to Absolutely. people about it. We need mm. to not demonise it. We need to not shame it. Um, so having said that, and someone that has struggled with mental health in my past, one of the questions I would ask, however, is there is a correlation between the amount of media yeah. our young people are consuming. And I say this for myself, yeah. even the multi-tab approach to internet yeah. browsing, like that you can be working, like a young person can be working on an English assignment, have yeah. Facebook open, Pinterest open, Google open, yeah. and then be watching YouTube off to the side. Yeah. And, and the, the actual the, – the research coming back in now is saying that it's actually 
um, not multitasking, it's actually weakening the organism of the brain to be able to deal with things and to deal with resilience. And I, I see it in myself. I'm the yeah, worst yeah. procrastinator ever. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm Absolutely. doing an assignment for my master's and I've got 50 tabs open and <laughs> click in between things. And, and then, and you know, or you, you have a stressful day and you should just open up Instagram and scroll and through scroll. and get distracted. Yeah. And, and so, so much of how I've talked about myself, the way I've learned to deal with mental health is to distract. Yeah instead of learning resilience. Mm -hmm. And so the mind has, I don't know if our consumption of media has actually weakened, has actually strengthened the mind, but weakened it. Mm. Um, and we don't question that um, because media is seen as like something so tied to our identity and our form of self-expression. Um, but there's actually no research that's coming out saying it's actually helping our mental health but hurting it. And mm. and the first thing I'd say to like if any parent or young adult or youth or you know someone involved with teenagers are listening, having healthy conversations around boundaries yeah. um, for their own sake, not not yeah. disciplinary boundaries, yeah. but just saying, hey, listen, what does it look like to have media consumption? But here's the problem as a family, yeah. because if mum and dad are always on their phone yep. and mum and dad are always yep. opening up internet yep. browsers and they're saying to their kids, hey, you've had enough you screen time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it, no, it's every single, yeah. we're seeing a rise, not just in young people, no. across That's the board right. of mental yeah. of mental health issues. And I do refuse to believe that it's always been present. I think it is symptomatic with a, our society is, just the nature of our society yeah. and how we're being, we're consuming yeah. content. It's not helpful for our brains. Like brain development. So it, yeah. it does seem to me interesting and I've, I've not read a lot of research in this area, but I want to, that we're also, you know, 40 or 50 years now into um, advertising that we feed into our life on a kind of 24-7 basis. And, you know, the core message of which is you're not beautiful enough, you're not cool enough, you need this car or this dress or this lipstick mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it is, this holiday. And until you have these things, you won't be enough. Yeah, um, yeah. Always you know for the I, gram, they say. Always for the gram. <laughs> always for Instagram. And it's like I always, um, you scroll through and there's there's this thing that I like to watch. It's um, something nifty tricks on um, Facebook. But it's all about how you can make your Instagram posts better. Yeah, you great. Know? Great, I'm going to go follow that. Like, yeah, you should, and like, you know, how to <laughs> get this you. better yeah, yeah, angle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. need to lose weight, but it's yeah. about... The angles, yeah. and it's about the way that you know you can put your phone in a in a plastic sleeve and put it down in the water, and you can get the water effects, you know. And I've seen someone um, with a, a a window, a car window, but it was like they were on the airplane, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like we are. Uh, it seems like we're feeding it, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're, we want to make everyone else see that yeah. our life is is great, yeah. just like the lives that we scroll through. Yeah. You know, and it's, but in the end, it's like you're just at home and just doing nothing. Yeah. But and, and it'd be interesting, I think, to see how history plays this back too. Like you look at, I mean, not to sound like a nerd, I'm a history buff, like nerd, not buff, I'm not intelligent at all. <laughs> but like the sense of like, you look back at things like the industrial revolution or the hippie and the sexual revolution of the, of the 60s and 70s and his, history is able to go, this yes. was the fruit and effect of it. Yes. Um, the couple of the observations is the industrial revolution was a horrible time to be a young yeah. person, but they made it through. Yeah. And 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 okay. and it was formative and damaging, and it was horrible. Yeah. Um, but the world is starting to recover much of the damaging thinking now, and and I think we probably will see for the next fifty, sixty years problems that are that mm -hmm. are coming from this. But the the nature of humanity has been to 
some like in the good moments to learn from these things yeah. and develop from these things and say, hey, we need to reform these things as well. Um, and, I, and I think that that's helpful. And the other thing I'd say is, is sometimes I think one thing I think my generation or the older generation, generation can do is to demonize the media. And I think the first step that I would encourage when we're talking about young people is to understand it. Yeah. Like what Far was just saying about that video, kids are consuming that 50 times a day. Mm. And so if you haven't seen a video on how to make your Instagram post better, yeah. then you don't yet understand the kind of world your young person's living in or what they're thinking about. Um, so to actually target and question the media, there is a level of needing to be missional mm. and go and say, hey, what are they watching? What are they thinking through? What is the language that they're hearing? So that it's not just, oh, you, you're on your yeah. face, Graham, yeah. and your Instabook, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, because that just, they switch off. Like, you need to learn yeah. to speak the language to question the language. Yeah. And, and I think for, if you're a youth pastor, if you're a senior pastor, if you're a, a parent, then learning the language first to understand the pressure and understand yeah. what's going on for them. Any youth pastor that's not on Instagram or Facebook yeah. um, that is unaware of it completely, I'd, I'd question if they know the world that they're ministering or mission, yeah. being a missionary into. Um, even though you need boundaries and I'm not sure it's healthy, it's so important to be aware of this it. Is, this is coming to the bone for me because I've just recently removed myself from social media because I, you know, like it was it was having an impact on me personally and you know in terms of time and attention, anxiety, the kinds of things we've talked about. Mm. And so I went, I can't manage this. I have to like cut it off and remove deleted accounts and got myself out. Um, but oh, I, I but I want to keep paying attention to the world that my kids are you know yeah. are inhabiting and the kids, their friends and. Yep. You know, the young people that we work with in our church and yeah. in our world. Um, let, let's see if we can do a little kind of exercise of the imagination. And, you know, maybe we maybe we don't know, but I'm interested in what clues you might have about what life might be like in five or ten years from now for a young person. You know, so a kid that's being born today that's going to be ten years old in 2030. Um, my 10-year-old, 12-year-old daughter now is going to be 22 in 2030 and, you know, going out of university and heading for, you know, kind of career all of that stuff around housing and sustainability and future of work and environment and you know all of that stuff that's bubbling up already. Any, any clues, any suspicions, any insights into you know where might we find ourselves in, in five or ten years? Oh, wise far. <laughs> wise far. I don't know. Is it even a fair question? I mean, that's. I, I think yeah. it raises more questions than it does answers. Yeah. Uh, are you gathering your thoughts? Yeah. yeah well, look, you go, you here's go. one thing I'd say. I, I think I think I see I, I see a lot of big problems. Yeah. I see climate change. Our young people care about climate change. I mean, we all should. But I think that. But I'm actually encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Our young people care about inclusivity of all peoples, mm. and they care about social justice like I've yeah. never seen before in a previous generation. And I'm excited by that. I think we're handling our young people a lot of you know bung things like a lot of bad things that that have really horrible but i'm reading a great book at the moment called um utopia for realists and it's this great See, the second person i've heard mention that book yeah it's it's yeah. not it's not on christian book but it's a really helpful book and, and the whole purpose of the book is when did we stop dreaming that a better future was possible mm. and we, we why do we rest in fatalism like it's you know why are we not continuing to talk about end world poverty yeah, yeah sure it's utopia but why don't we fight for that you know, why, don't, why are we telling people that that's impossible and we'll just, you know, the world's going to burn? Um, I'm encouraged when I see, you know, a 16-year-old guy from, I don't know, Norway coming up with a, a machine that can clean the oceans. Yeah, yeah that's I'm like, so good. you wow. Like, let's put fuel on that stuff. Let's stop telling young people that the Great Barrier Reef is going to blow up and die, even though it, probably, you know, it might. Yeah. 
let's have the hope and belief that the the scientists of the future might actually come up with better and, and give them the hope that, that they are the generation that could mm. do that. So I think there's some big concerns and questions, but at the same time, so there was for my generation, there was for your generation, the iPhone didn't exist 15 years ago. What? You know, and <laughs> um, Instagram wasn't even a concept in anyone's mind. And, um, and both those things aren't even amazing, but they've changed the way the world works. Yeah. So I think I go 2030, uh, I just want to look at the next generation. I'm like, run towards it with open arms. Don't be afraid of it. So, yeah, so let's so let's go down that track. Let, maybe the question I'm asking is the wrong question. Maybe the question I want to ask is, what needs to change for the rest of us to allow our young people to lead us into a better future? Like, what needs to change for me so that in 2030, when I'm, let me just do the maths here. I think I'll just be still shy of 60. You know, so that I am kind of listening to the 20, 25 year olds and that 17 year old from Norway. How does our world need to change to let that passion emerge and let it change the world? You're looking at me, Mike. I don't... Mm. Think back to when you were young. Like, you weren't, always, you weren't always heading into ministry as a leader when you were 12. Why are you here now? Because I had awesome people who believed in me. I had awesome people who said that I am gifted in this. Um, and it is... Like, you, you take away all the technology and stuff what young people will always need is a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. If you do not yeah, have a, a authentic relationship, safe ministry, children's church, whatever. 100% important, but yeah. But if you don't have a relationship with them and you catch up with them and you know them and you know what they're, they're good at, you know what you can encourage them, you know what skills that they will need in their toolbox for, for the future... If you don't know that, then and then you're not really doing justice for them into the future. But if you walk alongside them, you know them, and you have a relationship with them, um, it, it, it's it's going to be a lot more encouraging rather than the, um, you know, uh, stand back, pat on the back, going, oh yeah, youth and young people, or youth and young adults, you know, you got this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's being present. Yeah. You got to be present. And if it, if it is about, um, you know, getting mentors and, and, and stuff out there or more youth workers, it's, okay, church, it's about putting our money where our mouth is and let's make that happen. Let's develop um, this idea of mentoring programs um, around our churches so that young people can be a whole lot more effective in their future um, than anything else. But it, for me, it's always, I go back to, building relationships. So this doesn't sound like rocket science. It's not. And yeah. that's why I always think it like... That's not to say it's easy. Well... I don't mean that. It's not easy, but then I always just think it's... My gospel's simple. I'm so simple it's not funny. I'll tell you if it's right or not. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and like to me it's not... Like people ask, but how do you get young people? Let's build relationships with them. Um. That's that's all I say. Yeah, it's like, probably the dumbest thing. No, like I mean, yeah, we you it's know, probably the smartest. When, when when I was a youth pastor, we used to have churches come and be like, "How are you like? Why you have so many young people?" And, and the first thing I'd say to them, "Well, um, what like what are you doing to to make space for young people?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, we employed a youth director. We run a program on Sunday mornings." I'm like, "Cool. How many young people do you have on Sunday mornings?" They're like zero. I'm like, "Why would you do anything on a Sunday morning? Mm. Like that's not where any young people are." 
Like if don't employ someone that knows how to run a program, employ someone that knows how to skate. Mm. Employ someone that knows how to, you know, surf. Employ someone that knows how to speak the language of a young person. Because the one thing that I don't think um, uh, older generations are good at giving young people is time. Yeah. 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 And and unfettered time of listening without advice. To just hear, you know, um, you know, Joey hates Anna and, you know, I'm really worried about it and just yeah. be like, yeah, it sounds like it's really like, – like that stuff's real. But then I'm the same as far. The reason I am the person I am today is because I had significant leaders come up and said, hey, you know what, you, ha- you have access. And not only access to me, I'm going to give you authority and I'm going to give you opportunity mm, and, and you're going to fail and I'm going to teach you through failure and then you're going to succeed and I'm going to step aside like – for me, one of the reasons I am the pastor I am today is like, you know, like obviously my minute, my lead minister, Stu Cameron, um, would, would give me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, even when it came at the expense of his own opportunity, mm. even when it meant that, you know, he didn't get to do as many things. And, um, and the sooner you can get out of the way for the next generation, the better. Yeah, the sooner you hold on, the, the more you need the next generation to be like you, yeah. that's when you're losing them. Because yeah. they're not going to be like no, you. No. Uh, if they're not like you, it's because they've already rejected everything you have. Yeah. So you need to start listening and, and that kind of thing. So I, I agree with Far. It's 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 time, but it's intentional time as well. And and it's it, you know it's more than just invite them over for tea and crumpets. Like if you're not someone that can go to a movie with a young person, um, then I'd say find the people who are. Yeah. Find the people who want to go watch. You know, Fast and Furious. Nine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, what are we up to? Nine, yeah, 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 or fifteen thousand, yeah, like, yeah. like, more faster and more furious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, and then, and then, you know, identify the themes in the movie that are good to chat yeah, to. Yeah. Oh, like, you know, just talk about, you know, hey, how weird was it when they, you know, that that was a really cool moment. That was, in, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that part of the movie. And, and you bounce off that kind of stuff and listen to them. And yeah, time is an amazing commodity that we just don't have enough of for young people. Yeah. It does strike me that that's true, far beyond the world of young people. That mm. actually, time all of us time for one another for, for what matters in the world we, we are a you know busyness is the new black is the kind of phrase that comes to mind that you know that we are too busy to enable us to give that kind of time even if we were smart enough to realize that's what we needed to do yeah mm. i mean what i'd say on that i know i, I realize i talked a lot but i'll just say this in matthew 28 um, verse 19 to 20 jesus says go therefore and make disciples and, and we hear this a lot in the world. And the one thing I would say to every person, a parent or whatever, somebody's discipling your young person. Yeah. If it's not you, someone is. Someone is. Someone is. And it's wherever they spend their most time. Yeah. And and if you're not if you're not if you're not entering into that sphere uh, enough, trust me, someone is. Yeah. And that's why you know they end up make they make the decisions based on where they spend the time. And, and I don't think – I'm not a parent yet. You know, my wife's 32 weeks pregnant. My son's on the way. I'm really excited. I did not know that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pumped. But, but I, th- I, I, I would say this not, not obnoxiously, but being a children's pastor, a youth pastor, and now church planning pastor, you see unique things yeah. from the child's perspective yeah. um, when you interact through that lens. Yeah. That I think, you know, that's, I think that's, that's a really helpful thing to understand. Someone's discipling your young person. Um, if it's not you, it's someone mm. or something. So we're part of a church that has, to some degree, lost a couple of generations now um, in some parts of our church. Are, mm. are we any hope of figuring this out and getting this right and, you know, the kinds of things we've talked about becoming real in our own, the life of our own church? 
Yeah. I think so. Is it is it as simple as start, you know, with paying attention to people, relationships, time? I would start there. Yeah. I would definitely start there. Um, because then if you don't, then you just let everything else drift by. Um, but are you wanting to, like, regain? I don't think we can ever regain. No. Oh, no see, this what I, this what I, see, this is where I disagree mm. on this one. I think all of our strategies in the Uniting Church are about retention. Okay. You can't retain what you don't have. Yeah. Uh. Like, like, we just keep trying to work out how to keep our young people. Yeah. They're not here. Yeah. Like, we have them. Yeah. But not not in droves. No. And and so what I would say is the question's not how do you keep our young people. The question needs to change how we missionally seeking young people. Yeah. And and I don't know if our denomination's good at it. Yeah. People like Far, everyone should learn from Far. Far's phenomenal. Yeah. Um I don't know if I don't know if we have enough Fars. Like and I I think if the Uniting Church could humble itself to go to denominations that are growing in the teenagers and young adult years and say, teach us. Mm -hmm. um, because if it's working somewhere and it's not here, we should be, we should be learning um, as fast as we can. I don't think retention is the issue. I think we have to cut off the stuff that's dying and mm -hmm. we need to engage, pour resources, time and energy into evangelism and mission, not just, not just trying to keep the few young people we have. Like I'm talking macro. There are some great youth yeah, ministries yeah. in the United Church. There are great kids programs. Like you just ran day camp. You're about to run a whole bunch of different camps and unite and stuff. But <clears throat> I'm talking like across the board. Yeah. Um, that would be what I'd say. It, it needs to be an aggressive overhaul of how we think about what we're trying to do with young people. Stop trying to retain them. Start trying to evangelize again. Death and resurrection. And like reimagination, I think. Yeah, come on. Um, because I, I think I saw um, uh, the Cornet ice cream. Yep. You know that? Cornetto. Cornetto. Cornetto, Cornetto ice cream. I love they, where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always finish off with food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Cornetto ice cream and they um, they teamed up with the Messina um, mm. other brand. Yeah, okay. And they're, they've moulded together and like and they've called it a reimagination. You know, and it's just well, it's it's like, you know, how can church and 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 us as as the world be reimagined? How can we reimagine church life? How yeah, can great. we reimagine everything else that we do, um, and not just go along the like a, go along the same path, but reimagine? And I think that's that's been a big word in my mind for this twenty nineteen is just reimagining. Yeah, it's great. And not staying in the same form as my history. Yeah, great. As what has happened before. Because if I stay there, I get too comfortable. Mm. Um, and I get sleepy and I get tired. Um, and I don't get to experience the new flavours, you know, that, that's out there. <laughs> Whatever this Messina and Cornetto. And I've never tasted it before. No, I'm going to go find one this I afternoon. Know, but <laughs> it looks good. Yeah. It looks good. And we should be tasty. We should be championing, championing entrepreneurs and people who do have imaginative For ideas. Real, yeah. And let's encourage failure. Let's fail more often than we succeed so that we mm. know what success looks like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you both so much for hanging out with me for a little while today. Oh, good. Uh, lots to think about. Um, <laughs> look forward to hanging out with you again some other time. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so Thanks much for having me. Bye.